Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Tonight. We're talking football with Dave Amato. Dave, how are you this evening? I'm doing good this evening. Um, you know, just trying to get through these couple of losses and see how we can get going. But no, overall, uh, doing good. How about you? I'm living the dream, man. If I was any better, I'd be uh, there'd be two of me right now. There you no. go. It doesn't do much good. There's just so much going on. I had an event so last night, so falling a little bit behind on everything, but it's all good. Um, you know, before we jump into what uh, the, the uh, South Alabama, let's talk about their last couple of games. Um, you know, lose to to uh, UCLA on a last second field goal, mm-hmm. and then. Um, then go out and beat Louisiana Tech for, I believe, five fumbles? Yeah, yeah. It was a sloppy game on Tech's part. I watched a little bit of it, and uh, it was just uh, – Tech's not a very good football team, to be honest with you, and South Alabama seems to have uh, yeah, a lot of weapons on the field. So um, that wasn't much of a game early. It, it, they kept it close really early, and then all of a sudden, when USA put the pedal to the metal, it, they just took off on them. Gotcha. Well, let's go ahead and jump on in. Let's talk about the quarterback position. I've, you know, through the years, we've I've talked with several people and said that, you know, what South Alabama has been missing is a quarterback. It seems like they've got a quarterback now that they can they can cause some damage. Yeah, you know, they they tried this uh, last year, bringing in a transfer and seeing how it worked. The senior transfer, and, and he was okay, but he was. Carter Bradley this year was a transfer from Toledo, and and he's he he seems to be through the first four games a really good quarterback, and he's making the difference between this team being a, a middle of the road team in the Sun Belt to a potentially uh, Sun Belt West, uh, you know, at the top of the Sun Belt West. So he's first four games he has looked really good. He's a big kid. He's six three two sixteen. Uh, played a little bit at Toledo off and on. I think he had eight games his uh, junior year. Uh, and then this year, he's the, the main guy at, at USA, and he's looked good in every one of the three games he's played in. Yeah, I'm just looking at some stats here. 67%, 1,000 yards already on the season through four games. Uh, so it's what- someone that you want uh, as as your as your quarterback. At, and uh, – one, uh, three interceptions, though. Is that is that something where where the Cajuns can you think might be able to take advantage of them? Because there's a good possibility that's where we've been strong, right? I mean, we've our past, our, our you know, our defensive backs have really made some plays in the in the back end, and they might be able to. I mean, he's got ten touchdowns as well, so I mean, it's not like he's his ratio is good. He does have three picks, but his ratio is very good. Um. And look, he hasn't had a bad game. That's the thing that you look at with him. In all four games that he's played, he's completed 60% or more of his passes. Three of those games, he's had three touchdowns. There's only one game against UCLA where he threw for one touchdown. But he's been good in basically every game. Yeah, uh, everything that I've seen and I've seen them play, they've looked well. They've they've looked like a good team. They've looked like – uh, well-oiled machine. Um, let's move on then. Uh, moving on to the uh, the running backs there. Uh, what do they have returning, and what is what? Do you, where's their biggest 
Is yeah. anyone new back there, I should say? Yeah, actually, they got a JUCO transfer, LaDamian uh, Webb, who came in, and he's their main guy, and he's he's been – He's been really good this season. Um, he's averaging five and a half, more than five and a half yards of carry. He's got five touchdowns. He's dangerous out of the backfield. He caught he's caught eleven passes uh, for 118 yards. And this is a team that struggled running the ball last year. Uh, you know, you couple that with a really good co- passing quarterback, and then you give them a dangerous running game, and all of a sudden this team went from a five and seven team last year to a team that looks like they can be, you know, dangerous. Uh, you know, the, you think about it, you know, CMU was supposed to be a really good team. They beat them handily. They almost beat UCLA. Um, they beat what we think is a good Nichols FCS team. And then they crushed tech and they haven't really struggled except for that UCLA game in any of the games they played. Their offense has been on all cylinders and that running game's a big piece of it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, sorry about that. I was looking at something on my phone. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think I think uh, the, the Central Michigan team was a very good win for the program. And I talked with uh, JT Crabtree uh, earlier today about their trip out there. And uh, he said, you know, what really uh, kind of made after the loss, which – you know, was very disheartening, but afterwards kind of made them smile a little bit was that UCLA was celebrating in their locker room. You could see the videos on Twitter Mm -hmm. afterwards, Mm -hmm. like they just won the Super Bowl or something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, for a team, I think uh, JT told me that South Alabama's only been around playing FBS football for about eight or nine years now. Mm -hmm. And UCLA has a, you know, a hundred year history. So no one wants a moral victory, you know, right. They, they played well out there and have every, uh, they, yeah, no, they have every right. And like I said, they're, you know, they scored 31 points against a, a you know, a, a P five team and lost by one point. So, you know, again, we, we, you know, you don't want to see moral victories, but that's a good, that's a solid game for them. Uh, and like I said, their offense in every game they've played this year has been really solid. Yes. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh, what are we looking at there? I know they've got some guys back. Yeah, they also do. lost some guys. They do. The last two years they've had, you know, a couple of really good wide receivers. Two of them that are, you know, in the NFL. Kwan Baker is on the Saints uh, suspended list right now. And then uh, Jalen Tolbert, who was the offensive player of the year for the Sun Belt, is uh, on the Cowboys' ro- active roster, and he's he's got a few catches. But he, those two guys were solid, you know, very very good receivers. But they brought back two guys that were on the roster last year, and they both had have had good years this year. Jalen Wayne, uh, kind of a big kid, six two, two oh seven, and Colin Lacey is five ten, one ninety. And they both came back from last year who were, you know, maybe the second and third options. Uh, this year, they're the main guys. And Wayne's got 22 catches and three touchdowns. And Lacey's got 18 catches and two touchdowns. So they're they're their main guys. But they've got a couple other guys behind them as well. I mean, you you look at, you know, the guys returning like that with, with Lacey and Wayne. It, it's one of those things that they've – They've taken that step up to the next level, and that's that's what you really want to see with any program. 
with your guys returning is uh, taking the next step and not necessarily being a superstar, but doing what they're asked to do. Yeah. Well, and when you look at it, you know, there was a lot of talk last year that both Lacey and Wayne were really good players. The problem was they didn't get thrown to a lot because Tolbert was so good that the ball was going to Tolbert so often last year. Uh, this year, they don't have that. So Tolbert, I mean, Wayne and Lacey are starting to get some of those catches that they didn't get last year. I mean, it's hard. It, it, I think back when we had Jamarcus Bradley, right? I mean, yeah, he made so many big catches and you'd go to him so many times because he was so good. When he left, then you had to start spreading the ball around to some other guys. But that's kind of the predicament they were in. Tolbert's, Tolbert was a special player for them, but they've got some really good wide receivers on this team. What are we looking at at the tight end position? Are they going to throw to the tight end? Uh, it looks like they've got a pretty big boy at they the tight do. end as we do. Maybe not yeah. as big as we do. Yeah, they do. Uh, Lincoln Sepsik uh, was on the team last year and had a pretty good year last year. They have not gone to him very often this year, but he's a guy who was capable. I mean, he had some, some pretty good numbers last year. This year he's only got four catches with one touchdown. But he's 6'3", 244, so he's a pretty solid kid. Um, and he's he's good in the middle of the field. So they will take advantage of him if, if we leave him open. He's a dangerous weapon for him. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. What about the offensive line? Talking to JT, he, he said they knew that was a uh, an emphasis for them this year, that they needed to improve. And big, biggest improvement on – on the offensive side of the ball is their yeah. offensive line and bringing in some transfers. They did. They brought in a number of transfers. They got a uh, senior transfer from Jacksonville State, P.J. Mixon. Now, I got to do a little more research on him. He did not play in the La Tech game from what I could see. Uh, but he's he plays the left tackle. He's a, he's a solid player. They brought in a uh, another transfer from Florida State in Dante Lucas, who plays left guard. So the left side of their offensive line is, is pretty good when they've got both of those guys playing. Um, they've got a senior transfer at center from Mississippi State and James Jackson. Uh, and then they've got uh, a, a Reggie Smith, who's a junior. They're a veteran group, although they're not a veteran group for USA. These are guys that are juniors and seniors that are on that line. So they've got, uh, I, you know, out of the six or seven guys we'll see, probably five or six of them are either juniors or seniors, and some of them are grad transfers. Uh, some of them are redshirt juniors. So they're they're a veteran, older group of guys, and they've, they've played much better this year on the offensive line than they did in the past couple of years. And that's, that's been a real big reason that their running game is so strong. And then, of course, Carter Bradley's having time to throw the ball. Absolutely. Dave, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, and then we'll, we'll get into uh, – actually, let's talk defense now because I think sure. uh, we haven't been going that long. Uh, started a little bit late this evening. Uh, was just finished uh, interviewing Coney uh, Juno. And um, let's go ahead and get to the defensive side of the ball. Then we'll take our break and we'll come back and we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk special teams, which they have some a uh, couple special players back there right now. And uh, then we'll talk about the Sun Belt, what's going on this week, since everybody I think is going to be in uh, 
conference play. But you listen, uh, we're talking Georgia, with uh, we're listening. Yeah. We're listening. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Uh, Dave, let's get to the defensive side of the ball here. Look, what's going on in their D line? Where are they yeah. going to play? They they play more of a, uh, a, a either a three a three three five or a three four um, uh, line depending on where they move one of their players around, kind of an extra safety or an extra defensive back at times. But they usually go with the three down linemen, and they've got a really special player in Wakivius Thomas. He 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 kind of wreaked havoc on us last year when we played him in Mobile. Uh, so he's. He's the main guy right there. He has 12 tackles on the season from the D-line position. Uh, he's a 6'2", 304 kid, uh, plays in the middle. He's he's going to be, you know, a guy that we're going to have to keep an eye on, double down on him a lot. Uh, he's a really good player. Um, and then they've got Jamie Sheriff on the outside of him. And then they, got, they split two guys, uh, Charles Coleman and Ed Smith, who are the other down linemen for him. But – I, you know, what's really been impressive for them is I don't think they expected their D-line to play as well as they have this year, and they have played very, very well. Um, that Wachivius Thomas kid that we talk about, he reminds me a lot of Demetrius Taylor that played for App State last year. Similar in size, maybe not as good right now as Taylor was when he finished, but he has the potential to be that kind of player. Big, big guys up front, and uh, be interesting to see how the Cajuns' offensive line handles them. Yeah, that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a piece that I think we we really need to keep an eye on. You know, our offensive line has not played as well as we would have hoped for this early in the season, and their defensive line is playing pretty solid football. So it's a uh, you know it, that that's an advantage to them. So we'll see how it works out. What about on the uh, in the linebacker position there? Yeah, again, this is a uh, you know a place where I think they've gotten some a little bit surprised because they've got some new guys in that group. Um, they've got uh, number ten uh, Trey Kaiser is leading that that group. He's he leads the team in solo tackles with fourteen uh, from the middle of the uh, the field, and Quentin uh, Will Will Fawn. Uh, both of those guys are in the middle, and they've played really well. They're very active. And they're they're bigger kids, you know. They're six one six. Their whole linebacker crew is anywhere from six foot to six three. You know, they don't have any of the shorter guys there, but they're active and athletic um, in the middle. And then they've got some pretty good players on the outside. CJ Rios is a JUCO transfer. They got a bunch. This team has a bunch of JUCO transfers and and uh, you know F FBS uh, transfers on the team. Good deal. What about the defensive back position there? I mean, that's one of the things that, that they talked about their size for the longest time. Yep. Are they still big back there? They are. They are. They've got a couple of, you know, both corners are six feet tall, um, which, you know, it, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, you got receivers who are six two, six three. If you've got it, you know, we play at a little bit of a disadvantage, but the guy's a special player in uh in one of our cornerbacks, you know, at five nine, five ten. These guys are six feet tall, so you're going against six two, six three receivers. They got a, a little bit better chance to to body up on those guys on some of those 50-50 balls. Um, but but Daryl Lutter Jr. and Jamar Richardson are going to play on the outside. Um, they're both uh, seniors, and they've both been playing on this team for a while. So they're 
they're solid in all aspects of the back end of their defense. They did lose a really special player on the season uh, at safety uh, and a gentleman, uh, Keith Gallman, uh, who they were expecting big things out of this season. But they haven't missed a beat. They've filled in with some guys, and they've been they've been solid. Uh, a real a, a guy to watch out for. And, and I love his name, but a guy to watch out for plays kind of that that extra linebacker, extra safety position is a guy by the name of Yam Banks. Keep an eye out for him. He's 6'1", 208, so he can kind of bounce between safety and linebacker. Very nice. Hey, yeah, you got a name like Yam Banks. you got to be a football player, don't you? Right. I, I think there's no option but to be a football player if your name's Yam. I mean, otherwise uh, – no, uh, back to, you know, if you're listening tonight, uh, take a listen to our, our our preview with J.T. Crabtree of the uh, Georgia, uh, I keep saying Georgia Southern, South Alabama uh, Jaguars. J.D. will have, J.T. will have the call uh, this weekend. Uh, he's, I asked him biggest improvement on the defensive side of the ball, and he asked me if depth was an appropriate answer, and I said, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they've got, and you mentioned that transfers, yep. whether it be JC, uh, junior college or FCS or FBS, but they brought in some guys to help out immediately. And I yep. think if you're going to do, whether it's the transfer portal or the Juco route, guys have to be able to step up immediately. Otherwise, why bring them in? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And that, and, and, and uh, Coach Dez talked about that early in the season. Um, we didn't go to the transfer portal a lot. And his his take on it was they've got to be the right fit. It's got to be the right guy. I think USA went that route, but not necessarily for guys. In some positions they did because they needed it right away. But it's more for the depth, right? They needed that second and third team guy who can come in and spell people at different positions. And they got it. They got some guys who are. And this is this is the deepest USA team probably in a long time that I've seen uh, at, at, at a lot of different positions, specifically on the defense. Well, I just think the game has changed so much as a more of an up up tempo game, whether it's uh, calling plays fast or just the no huddle side of it, where you're not allowed to substitute unless the offensive, or yeah. I shouldn't say not allowed to you don't necessarily have the time unless the offense has the time. Right. Uh, and you, if you can, yeah, if you have that advantage that you have some guys you can rotate in and, and you know, it, it makes a huge difference. And that's where they've, that's where they've improved. I mean, look, they've improved in their starters. There's no question about that, but the depth on this team is so much deeper than I've seen in a long time. And that's, that's making a big difference and paying big dividends for them. Absolutely. Well, Dave, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk special teams, and we'll get into a little bit of what's going on around the Sun Belt. And I can cor correct myself with my big-time faux pas there. So we'll be back right <laughs> after this brief timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking tonight. We're talking football with Dave Amato. Dave, uh, before we move on to the Sunbelt Conference schedule, you know, we, uh, the special teams, let's talk about the return team because last weekend, uh, South Alabama started out the game with a kickoff return. Yeah. 
which was called back because of a penalty. They proceeded to go four plays and score, but the very next possession wasn't really possession. They took a punt return 59 to the yards to the house. So talk about the return guys first on the kickoff side and then moving on into the punt return side with uh, Colin Lacey. Yeah, so on the kickoff side of the game, it's not as it's not as devastating as the, on the punt return side. But they do have some good guys back there. Um, they they've got they've got three different guys who have returned kicks for them. The main guy is Jamal Pritchett, um, uh, and then they've got they've got two other guys. But they're you know they're averaging about twenty one and a half yards on six returns this year with a long of twenty eight. They the three guys are uh, a couple of backup running backs uh, in Braylon McReynolds, um, Jamal Pritchett, who I mentioned before. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Colin Lacey has had a return or so. But they've, they've kind of bounced three guys back there. Um, and they're not they, – they aren't – except for the one that got called back. They haven't been super dangerous on the kickoff return. Punt return. Colin Lacey is has been really good. It, it's not just him because they've had a couple other guys who returned, but Colin Lacey has been really good for them. I mean, I it, look at just think of these numbers, right? He's had six punt returns this season. He's averaging 19 yards on his punt returns. He's got one touchdown, but that touchdown was only a 57 yarder. Right. Um, you know, and, and as a team, they're averaging 16 and a half yards on the return. So they're they're a dangerous team on punt returns. So I, it's they're they're tough. They're tough. We're going to have to really be careful and stay in our lanes on punt returns. So let's talk about their kicking last year. We know what happened to them uh, against us. But uh, so far, their kicking their field goal kicking has been uh, has been rock solid. Pretty good, yeah. The, the same guy who's who's their place kicker for them this year was the place kicker who missed the chip shot to lose the game to us last year, Diego Guardo. Um, but he's five for five on the season. Now, most of them have been less than 40-yard kicks. He does have one between 40 and 49 this year. But he's five for five on his field goal, so he's not had any problems kicking. And again, he kicked against us in a torrential downpour, and there were a lot of reasons that you know things went awry in that game. But he's he's been solid this year. Um, like I said, he hasn't missed a kick yet. He's only had five, but he's made every one of them that he's had an opportunity at. Absolutely. What about the punting on the punter side? I mean, let me guess. Uh, yep. Australian. Yeah, believe it or oh, not, wow. believe, believe it or not, uh, Jack Brooks is an Australian kicker, and he's he's a pretty decent one. He's uh, he's got a forty-three and a half yard average on seventeen punts. Seven of them have been inside the twenty, and then he's got four of his seventeen that are over fifty yards. So he's he's got a big leg. He's like a lot of these Australian punters that that's. You know, they start grooming them young and they're, they're playing American football to learn how to kick the ball. They, they, they've got a good one back there, similar to Reese Burns, right? He, he becomes a weapon uh, for them. So uh, he's been he's been solid all year. Well, it, it's funny that you mentioned they start grooming him young. Uh, Jack's Jack Brooks is actually, I want to say, 28 years old. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, or is it 29? Yeah, he turned 29 in July. 
So that was another tidbit that JT, and I got to stop giving away my tidbits about JT, that JT Crabtree choked. But there's a lot more in that episode, and JT and I have a, a fun time talking about a, a 29 year old. Uh, and I want to say, is he a uh, he's a junior. Okay. I thought he was a freshman, yeah. but, but that, yeah, that's, will, a, it looks like a big old boy, six yeah, foot, two oh five. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's stocky. I remember watching the game against tech and seeing him punt. He's, he's a stocky kid. Um, uh, they do have one weakness in the kicking game. If you have to call it a weakness and that's probably their kickoff guy. Um, they use a different guy, Jacob Meeks, to for kickoffs. And out of 28 kicks this year, he's only had eight touchbacks. So he is returnable. So we'll we'll see if we can if we can get Chris Smith going. He hasn't gotten anything going yet. Um, but but there's a good chance that he'll have an opportunity to get some returns uh, this weekend because, like I said, Meeks does not put a lot of them into the end zone. Absolutely. So. Um uh, special teams we did the return, the kicking, the kickoffs, the field goals. Um anything I'm missing there. No, that- I you know, I, 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 you know, we talked about all the strengths. This team doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. I guess if you had to call anything a weakness for them, they uh, they 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 have been heavily penalized this season. Uh, they average about nine a game in their four games. So they they've got some uh, you know ability to make some mistakes on that side of the ball. Um, and they don't rush the passer well. They don't have a lot of sacks, I should say. They put pressure on the quarterback, but they don't have a lot of sacks on the season. They only have seven in four games. So. So, you know, we might have some time back there to throw the ball. And, uh, again, if they make some silly penalties, we've got some opportunity there. But they are – look, they lead in the time of possession by a pretty wide margin. They they don't turn the ball over. They've only got four turnovers on the season. I think they got the three interceptions by Bradley and one fumble. So they really don't turn the ball over very often. Uh, and they're very good in the red zone. Uh, they've, they've converted 16 of their 19 attempts, but 13 of them have been for touchdowns. So when they get in the red zone, they are, they're pretty, you know, they're they're going to get in the end zone. So we're going to have to stop them. You know, we're going to have to hold them to field goals or try to turn them over. That's going to be our, our best opportunities. Okay. Uh, you're listening to We're Talking Tonight, Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. Dave, uh, you know, I mentioned that I thought Sunbelt Conference play, in reality, there's only, uh, or I should say, I thought that Sunbelt Conference play started in, in in earnest this weekend. But but in reality, there's only four games, three besides the Cajuns. Uh, I, I will be very interested in this game. This is not a game that we would have talked about at the end of last year or at the beginning of this year, in my opinion, to be a game that Cajun fans will want to watch. But at ULM visiting Arkansas State, uh, I find that game very interesting. Well, it's it's interesting because ULM won against us, and they turn around, they play, you know, a team that we we might think is at the you know the weaker end of the Sun Belt West. You know, there's a good chance that ULM comes out of that weekend two and zero in Sun Belt Conference play, and that's that's something I don't think you and I would have ever dreamed of happening. Uh, when we first looked at the schedule, right? Um, they've got a chance. They've got a real good chance to be 2-0. and Now, 
Now, I'm looking at the line, and Arkansas State's a seven-point favorite, which is a little surprising to me because Arkansas State has not played great football this season. Um, well, you know, I'm going to – they haven't played great, but they – I mean, they lost to Old Dominion 26-29. Uh, Old Dominion beat a Power 5 conference, not saying yeah. – and, and no, I'm not saying because someone beat them and they should beat them and so on and so forth. But they played uh, Memphis better than expected, I believe, at 32-44. Yeah. They beat the spread against Ohio State 12-45. to Now, Ohio State didn't score, probably try to score. Yeah, in they the didn't score quarter. in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. So, But they did what they needed to do against Grambling, 58-3. Yeah. to three. This, is a, this is an improved Arkansas State team. Yeah, no, no question. It's an improved team. It'll look again. You and I wouldn't have talked about this game at the tail end of last season, or even worried about it at the beginning of this season, right? Now you look at it, and this is a big game for both teams because it's Arkansas State's first conference game, and ULM has a chance to be two and zero. So somebody's going to come out of that with pretty good feelings about themselves when the game's over, right? Either Arkansas State's going to say, look, we're better than we thought we were when the season started, or ULM's going to be sitting pretty at 2-0 and on top of the, the West. Uh, so, so, yeah, this is a big game. It's a real big game for the Sun Belt Conference. Well, I think this is a game, I mean, if you're a Cajun fan, you definitely want to be pulling for Arkansas State because, yeah. obviously, ULM already has beaten the Cajuns, and, you, and Arkansas State plays the Cajuns later on in the year. So definitely a game Cajun fans need to be watching. Uh, 6 p.m., it's actually uh, uh, ULM's uh, – no, I'm sorry, it's 6 p.m., correct, but it's Arkansas State's homecoming game. Yeah. So um, the other uh, – the next one is uh, Texas State and James Madison. You know, James Madison, uh, we didn't talk about it, but last week um, – uh, App State went out 28 to three. Thank you, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and, and then proceeded to lose the game to James Madison. Now they have Texas State coming in. Texas State did what they needed to do, uh, last week, but at the same time, uh, do can they catch James Madison maybe sleeping or maybe too high? There's look, there's a chance. Texas State has. They remind me a lot of South Alabama in the fact that they were probably missing a quarterback from being a really good team. Or I wouldn't say a really good team, but being a better than they have been team. They've got that quarterback right now with Lane Hatcher from Arkansas State, right? He's had he's put up big numbers this year. He's the difference maker for them. I still think James Madison is is too much for Texas State. But I think that game might be closer than than the look. If I'm betting on it, and I'm not betting, but if I'm betting on it, 22 points for Texas State gives me a little interest to take Texas State in that game. Okay. Um, I, I think it's one you, you they could keep catch him napping, but at the same time, I think James Madison is just a better football team. Yeah, so, I, I definitely agree with that. The game that I think, uh, uh, I think I picked and you did not pick, which I'm not saying anything – bad about you unless you really want me to uh, but I, I'm, I'm pulling it up now as we talk about it, but um uh, georgia southern visiting coastal yeah uh, yeah 
uh, my old Georgia Southern boys who I didn't expect to have, see anything out of this year. And uh, they played much better than I could have uh, expected them to. Um, I, Coastal has been disappointing and Georgia Southern has been better. So this is a game that I think early in the season, I would have told you, yeah, absolutely. Georgia Southern gets crushed by Coastal. I don't think that's going to happen. Georgia Southern has shown me that they can move the ball. They can throw it. They play solid defense. And Coastal has not shown me anything that I go, wow, this is a really good football team. Well, for the record, and, and, and as, as good as I thought, I thought that Georgia Southern had improved. But at the same time, we both picked Coastal to win that game at the beginning of the season. So, um, yeah. I don't know That's if gonna, you're thinking about leaning the other way, but I'm telling you, I am leaning the other way on that one. It's definitely more intriguing. I'm just not sure at this point uh, what Georgia Southern um, uh, uh, it's a great question. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick it. <laughs> oh, look, I'm the look, look, the, pick. look! 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 Who's the wishy-washy one now? Yeah. How about Liberty going to Old Dominion, though? So, Old Dominion is a team that we say. I think we say it all the time, right? They just offensively, they're not. They don't defensively. They're a very good football team. Offensively, they're they're still behind, right? Um, and Liberty, I, I haven't followed Liberty enough to tell you whether they're good, bad, or otherwise. And my computer just froze up, and I was going to look at their their season and how they've been going, but I, I've got some problems on my second screen and I apologize for that. But, right. They're three uh, and one. They, uh, they beat Akron this past weekend, uh, which again, I don't think, but they lost a close one to Wake Forest, which uh, Wake Forest is, uh, I believe they're still in the top 25. Yeah. 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 I think, look, I, I think this is a game. If you're a Sunbelt fan, you're very interested in, right? You want to know how we stack up. Um, uh, against against a, a peer conference team, and this is going to be a good opportunity for us to see how we do. The reality is, I, I don't think Liberty is a great football team, but I think they're they're going to be a, they're going to probably be in a bowl game, and we need to see how we match up as a as a conference against teams like that. And the other one is Georgia State and Army. I, I think is another one to keep an eye on. Georgia State needs a win. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, I, I was just saying Keep rolling. State needs they need a win. They haven't beat anybody. They've played everybody close, but they haven't beat anybody except Coastal, who blew them out. Um, but no, I look, we've got a couple of chances uh, this weekend to see how we match up against those peer conference teams, and that's that's one that I think we need to win that one. We need to win uh, against Liberty, and I know there's a couple others we'll, we'll talk about, but uh, – yeah, I, I, I think Georgia State gets off the schneid this weekend. That's my take on it. I don't think so. I think Army crushes their face. Oh, look at you. I just I don't think Georgia State's a very good football team. I, I They've shown me nothing that indicates that they know how to win right now. Yeah, the fact that they're going on the road to Army does lead me to think that Army, you know, has got a better chance to win. I think Georgia State plays up this weekend, and I think they get they probably win. That's that's my thought on that. 
Uh, last game I want to talk about, and, and I don't think there's really much to talk about. I think Troy crushes Western Kentucky's face. You know, I have not seen enough of Western to tell you one way or the other. Um, they are three and one, which which surprises me. And I'm just pulling them up now. They haven't really played. They haven't beaten anybody. They they lost a close one to Indiana, but they they beat Austin P. They struggled in that game against Austin P. They beat a really bad Hawaii team, and they beat they beat FIU seventy three to nothing. I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, but they haven't. This well, I, is going to be their first, their first step up in competition, except for that Indiana game, and we'll see how they match up. I, I think Troy gets the win there. I think Troy's playing at home. They've got a lot to prove to their fans after uh, the loss at App State a, a couple weeks ago. And Hawaii, yeah. let's let's face it, Hawaii and, and FIU are not very good. Austin no. P is an FCS program that they only beat by eleven. I don't think Western Kentucky is a good football team. Let me ask you this while we're on it, because I want to get yep. your take on on App. App is probably the most difficult team in this conference to read. I know they're still a very good football team. Don't don't get me wrong, but they're two and two. They sixty one points against North Carolina, then. They scored 17 to barely beat AM, which was a huge win. But after scoring 61 against North Carolina, you'd think they were an offensive football team. Kind of find out they're not. Then they come back. No, I never thought they, that. I just I never one, thought that because North Carolina is a very bad defensive team. Yeah. So then they come back and they should have lost to Troy. And then they lose last weekend. What is your take on this App State team? I can't get a read on it. I, I don't know if they're – I mean, I know they're still super talented at a lot of positions, but I cannot get a read on it. Well, uh, I my, my take on App State is, one, they know how to win. They have a tradition of winning, and I think that's almost uh, – you know, there's the old saying or there's the saying with betters that the home team gets three points just for being the home team. Well, I think App State gets three points for being App State. Those cats know how to win. They do. And, 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 and what, what we did to them last season, it, I think it pissed them off a little bit. I think, you know, the loss to JMU was one of those things where I think you, you can talk about, you can say they only, they only scored 17 against Texas A&M, but at the same time, Texas A&M is not North Carolina no, by no. any means. So, and then the game against Troy, I think you can definitely kind of feel a, not a letdown per se, but you can kind of say, okay, we just lost uh, North Carolina. I think their whole situation, and, and I think in the second half, they let JMU get rolling and they didn't know how to stop that. So, yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, it's just hard for me to look at look, this team could easily be one of three, right? And, and, and there's no way anybody would have said, hey, after, should be one and three after the first four games. And that's what I'm saying. They they obviously play up with their competition, right? They played up against North Carolina and should have won that game. They played up against Texas A&M and did win that game. They played down against should have lost that game. And then they, they had the JMU game won and lost it. Well, okay. 
you, using what you said, although I disagree with you that they played down to Troy, I think Troy is a really good football team. And, but, but using what you said there is you can say the same thing that we had ULMB and then we, then, then oh, we let yeah, them come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you can't look at in as much as we want to go through Vermillion and Blanc guys, it's not always that simple. And, uh, well, I, I think I think we're getting a similar read on Marshall that we got on uh, App State, right? Uh, you know, here's a team that crushed Norfolk State easily. They beat Notre Dame, big win for them. Then they lose to Bowling Green, and then they lose to Troy. And you're like, man, after two and zero, oh, you're thinking this team might run the schedule. Now all of a sudden they're two and two and zero oh and one in the conference. Now, yeah, both. Now, both Marshall and App State get healthy this weekend because they're both playing FCS teams that they should crush. Well, I will tell you this is the one thing that I do know about this weekend is I would not want to be the Citadel. <laughs> That's going to be an ugly football game. It's it, it that might be App won't score 100, but they would have they they have the ability to score 100. Absolutely. So a little quick trivia here. Did you uh, – I know you're not necessarily a baseball guy, but I don't know if you yes. saw that uh, Judge tied uh, – Judge – I kind of stopped calling him Judd. Judge uh, tied uh, Roger Maris's record for 61 I, home runs. I, I did, and and look, I, I – yeah, I'm, I, I'm much more of a football guy than I am a baseball guy, but I do I do watch base, a lot of baseball. Um, but I will tell you this uh, – I knew he was going to get it. Everybody knew he was going to get it because if he didn't get it by the end of the regular season, he was going to get it to the playoffs. There was no doubt. Doesn't count in baseball. Yeah, I know, but he was going to get sixty-one, right? We, he had yeah, but that doesn't 70. that doesn't that would not have been the record. They would not have tied the Yankees. Right, but record. he had, but he had seven home. He had seven regular season games. Yes, he was going to get there, and, and at some point, and they pitched around him as long as they could. I'm not a Yankees fan, and I'm really not a Yankees fan because. And I know you're going to boo me out of the room. Uh, I am an Astro fan and have been since, since uh, 1976, I would tell you, is when I first started playing for the Astros. So I was an Astro fan long before for all the drought years. Um, but but I do see the Astros and Yankees playing in the American League uh, championship game. Yeah, the only uh, the only reason I brought that up is for a different reason. Is Garrett Cole tied Ron Guidry's uh, single season record for strikeouts in a season that Ron has held for fifty four years? If I did the math correct, I think it's actually not fifty four years; it's forty four years. So I did not do, but uh, he tied that hill, and obviously he will break it. Uh, yeah. So. But I but, did not know uh, that, and that's 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 a that's a good trivia question too. Uh, yep, I did not know. So, do you uh, did you hear that uh, uh, Coolio died? The rapper Coolio. I, I did not know that. Yes. So, so no, I. Uh, I have no uh, idea should, what should, he was. Fifty nine years old though. But lastly, we should, pour, I thought, we should pour some of our drink out for his. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a little bit surprising because I thought you would have known this a little bit more, not necessarily the date, but Stone Temple Pilots core and Allison Chain's record, Dirt, were both released on this date in 1992. 
I, I wouldn't have known the date, but I would have. I, I knew. I knew about the year that it had come, it had come out. So that's so, that's interesting. Big big day in music and baseball trivia. Exactly. So, all right, man. It's <laughs> all getting right, It is. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Uh, will, will you be out at the ball field, ballpark, ball field? Uh, yes. I, I was not planning on being because I had a away high school football game to go to, but the game got canceled this weekend. So now I will probably be out there uh, on Saturday. I was expecting to be in Bush, Louisiana uh, on Saturday, but now I am going to be home. So I will probably be out there. Okay. Good enough. All right, Dave, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, sir. You've been listening to We're Talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. We'll see you. Well, I guess I'll be recording tomorrow or sometime soon with Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.